Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening. And enjoy the show. <laughs> Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 20. I'm your host, Otis Gyre. In tonight's episode, I'll be performing five stories for you about ominous occupations, timeless tragedies, cursed computers, lurid logical legends, and ruined realities. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. 
Now it's time to get started, so lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show's about to begin. <laughs> Our first tale of terror this evening comes to us courtesy of author Blair Daniels, whose collection of short, scary stories you can find now on Amazon.com. Please consider picking up a copy if you enjoy what you hear. Without further ado, I present to you, The Recapture Was Wrong. Have you ever seen a photo recapture? Instead of a checkbox, it's a low-quality photo split into 16 square sections. It'll say something like, select all squares with street signs, and you have to click every square that contains a street sign. At 11 p.m. on Sunday night, I got one while downloading free stock images. It was a photo of a path through a forest. Select all squares with people. Okay, that was easy enough. In the center, there was a jogging woman in pink shorts, she took up a few of the middle squares, and I clicked them all. I pressed verify. It didn't work. Select all squares with people, the message said again. I took off my glasses, placed them on the table, and squinted at the image. No, she wasn't the only person. Several feet off the trail at the very edge of the image, I could see it. The edge of an arm clad in a black sweatshirt with a pink thumb poking out. I triumphantly clicked the two squares containing it. Verify. The image blinked as it refreshed. Then the same text popped up, as if to taunt me. Select all squares with people. I rubbed my eyes and stared at the image. The trees cast low-resolution blocky shadows across the path. The woman's ponytail swung to the left, mid-motion. Patches of yellow sunlight draped the surrounding forest. I studied some of the darker shadows far from the path, but none of them matched the silhouette of the person. I glanced to the edge of the image. No. The image had changed. The arm at the edge of the photo was now further in the frame, taking up three squares instead of two. Bulky shoulders and dark jeans followed it, and the jogger was just slightly further down the path, as if she'd taken a step. The touchpad was slick under my fingers, my heart pounded in my chest. Slowly, I dragged the cursor over the three squares and clicked them all. Verify. The image blinked. Select all squares with people. I leapt back from the computer. The image was different again. The man was further in the frame, taking up five squares. His hand was stretched out toward the jogger just inches from her shoulder. And the jogger? She was turned toward him, eyes wide, mouth open, in a silent scream. Click, click, click. I furiously clicked all the squares. Verify. Loading. Select all squares with people. The man's face was finally in frame. The hood of his sweatshirt was pulled tightly over his head. A translucent Halloween mask poked out from underneath, pressed against his features. His hand was latched onto her arm. She was screaming. 
Click, click, click. Verify. The image disappeared. I'd passed the recapture. I reported what I'd seen to the police. At first they thought I was crazy. But as I gave a detailed description of the images, they frantically took notes and asked me questions. The woman matched the description of a local woman, Kaylee Johnson. She went missing a week ago during an afternoon jog in the wooded Lakewood Trail. She was never found. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Our second story today comes to us from author Juan Martinez. I present to you Ghost Lights. I grew up in a small town in the Midwest. Now, when I say it's a small town, I mean other people from my state have never even heard of it. That being said, for such a small town, it actually has a pretty dark history. In 1927, my hometown was a small village with a population of just over 300 people. The largest employer in the area, the Macmillan Textile Factory, had been built in 1922. The location was ideal because of all the available land and the town's close proximity to the state capital. By 1927, the factory employed 314 people from the surrounding area. May 25th, 1927 started early, just like every other day, and the workers looked forward to the start of a productive summer. But at 8.45 a.m., the north wing of the building exploded. Shortly after the explosion, a man named Arthur Rentschler, a disgruntled former employee, arrived on scene. He had loaded down his pickup with dynamite and scrap pieces of metal, from his farm. Eyewitnesses said he stepped out of the truck holding a rifle. When the floor manager approached him, he fired into the bed of the truck, 
which caused the dynamite to detonate. The explosion of the truck killed Rentschler, the manager, and a few other bystanders. The fire department found another 500 pounds of unexploded dynamite rigged up in the basement of the building and discovered that Rentschler had killed his wife and burned down his home. Investigators also discovered a sign on the property that read, Criminals are made, not born. In the following weeks of investigation, witnesses came forward making claims that Rentschler had been complaining about a recent tax spike in order to pay for the new area school, and it was further discovered that his farm was in foreclosure. Investigators speculate that the combination of him losing his job and the tax increase may have been the catalyst for the bombing. When all was said and done, 44 people lost their lives. The news covered the bombing heavily, and in the weekend following the attack, some 50,000 people drove through the town just trying to catch a peek of the carnage. Unfortunately, the story rapidly fell to the wayside due to Charles Lindbergh's transatlantic flight that took place two days later. Quickly as it happened, the tragedy and its victims were forgotten. But they don't want to be forgotten. They want us all to remember. And on a balmy summer night in 2008, I learned not to forget. It was the summer before my senior year, and I'd started staying at my friend Mike's house for the better part of a week. One night, after what felt like our 1,000th match of Halo 3... I was video gamed out. I took off my headset, set down the controller, and looked at Mike. He was furiously rubbing his eyes, which, if they felt anything like mine, were on fire. Uh, do, you, do you want to go outside for a bit, I asked. Dude, I thought you'd never ask. Mike replied with a grin. It's like 2 a.m., though. Where do you want to go? I really don't care. I just can't look at the TV anymore right now. We decided to take a walk through town. Neither of us planned on doing anything nefarious, but we both agreed that we needed some fresh air. As we walked down the dirt road Mike lived on, we laughed and talked about girls, cars, the rapidly approaching football season, and all types of things you'd expect from two high school seniors. We walked past the high school, the town's only gas station, and then down Main Street. As we walked in front of our small town's only bar, a few girls that had graduated our freshman year stumbled out into the street. Mike and I tried our hardest to talk a big game and impress the girls, but just as you'd imagine, neither of them could have cared any less. Sure that we'd ruin just about any chance of any entertainment for the night, we decided to head back to his house. Our return route, had us walking past the site of the old Macmillan factory, and then eventually would put us in front of the town's small cemetery. As we walked in front of the old factory grounds that had since been converted to a small park, Mike spoke. Why do you think he did it? Mike asked, suddenly breaking the silence. I turned to look at him. What? Who do what? Rentschler. Why do you think he blew up the factory? You know the story just as well as I do. He was pissed about losing his job and his farm. Pretty straightforward, dude. No way. There, there had to be more to it than that. People lose their jobs every day. 
If I had to guess, it was demonic possession. Or maybe he was just insane. Mike said matter-of-factly. I didn't really believe that demons had a hand in the disaster, but I felt a chill run down my back anyway. I looked ahead, saw that we were quickly approaching the town's small cemetery, and felt that chill intensify. Most of the victims had been buried in that cemetery before their families packed up and left town, and with the way our conversation had turned, I wanted to be as far away from it as possible. Let's cut through the cemetery, Mike said. It'll cut our walk in half if we go through it. I turned quickly to look at Mike. Are you insane? I'm not walking through a graveyard at three in the morning. Now that's when Mike said it. The one sentence that will convince a 17-year-old boy to do just about anything. Now don't be such a pussy, dude. I groaned and said, damn it. Okay, let's do this. Mike grinned at me before taking a large, exaggerated step off the main road and into the cemetery. I quickly followed suit and soon found ourselves deep in the cemetery. The cemetery itself is laid out like a giant sideways H and as such is near impossible to get lost in. Or so I thought. As we walked, I began to notice that the area was completely devoid of sound save for our feet scraping on concrete. Our ears should have been assaulted by the sound of crickets and spring peepers, but instead we were completely engulfed in silence. I turned back to look at the main road we had entered from. It looked impossibly far away, much further than it should have. I turned back to Mike. Hey, shouldn't we have hit the turn yet? I thought so. Maybe the dark's just throwing us off. Let's keep going. We'll either find the turn or hit the wood line. We walked for another few minutes when I thought I saw a light moving ahead of us. I strained my eyes in the dark trying to figure out what I was seeing. Do you see that light up there? I asked in a hushed whisper. Mike stopped and looked ahead. I think so. Kind of looks like a flashlight. Yeah, that's it. Is someone really out there in the woods? That's probably a ghost light, Mike said with a shrug. Just stay in the path and we'll be fine. What the shit? A ghost light? What are you talking about, I asked. I stopped and waited for Mike to face me. What in the hell is a ghost light? Mike stopped and turned to face me. He now stood between me and the tree line, and I could only make out the light if I leaned left or right. There's a few versions of the story, but the one I've heard the most is that the light shows up as a way to lead you off the trail or pathway in a cemetery. Once you've stepped off the trail, you're in their domain, he said as he gestured to the tombstones on either side of us. Sometimes the lights lead you to bodies, sometimes to some kind of treasure, other times, the lights will lead you to your death. I shivered and swallowed hard. I leaned a little to the right and saw that the light looked closer, or at least bigger. I looked back at Mike. Let's get the hell out of here. It looks like that light's getting closer. Mike turned to look at the light. We both gasped when we realized that not only was the light closer than when we originally saw it, but it was moving straight toward us and picking up speed. I tried to run, but 
It felt like I was cemented to the ground. The light moved in a straight line. It didn't bounce or move like someone carrying a flashlight. It just shot straight at us. Mike grabbed my arm and snapped me out of my trance as he ran by. Fucking run! I turned and started to run and soon realized that I had stepped off the path and was now sprinting parallel to the road between the tombstones. I looked to my left and saw that Mike was running in the same direction, a few rows of tombstones from me. Mike! Run to the road! I screamed out. Mike acknowledged me by changing direction mid-stride, but suddenly he dropped. Mike! I yelled as I changed direction and charged towards my friend. As I approached where he'd gone down, I saw him holding the right side of his face and frantically scrambling to his feet. Leave me, dude! Just go! He panted. No way! Come on! I yelled as the bright light was beginning to fall all around us. I threw his arm over my shoulder and half ran, half carried him a few more yards before my foot caught the corner of a low headstone. Mike grunted loudly as we crashed into the damp grass. I frantically rolled over and covered my face. The light had become so blindingly bright I could no longer keep my eyes open. I felt my body tense up as the light washed over us, and then nothing. I felt nothing. I had yet to open my eyes, but I could feel my feet planted firmly on the ground. I slowly opened my eyes and looked around. To my right, Mike was doing the same. Uh, what the fuck was that? Mike asked. I scanned around and realized that we were back at the front of the cemetery. I looked over at Mike, who was no longer bleeding from his face, before looking down at my watch. It read 5.30 a.m. Somehow, two and a half hours had passed from when we had originally entered the cemetery. Uh, I don't know, man. I think we just got chased by a ghost. I mean, I didn't make that up, right? Mike shook his head. No, that definitely just happened. I followed Mike's gaze and gasped when I noticed a man in denim overalls standing next to the closest tombstone. The man had an almost disgusted look on his face. What felt like an eternity passed as we stared at one another. Finally, the man spoke. Why have you forgotten us? Why has everyone forgotten us? Behind the man, I saw silhouettes materializing and moving closer to us. Please, tell our story. Don't let them forget. The man said as he began to fade from view. One by one, the silhouettes behind him faded as well, and before long, Mike and I were left standing there, mouths agape. Mike, clearly the braver of the two of us, walked back into the cemetery and looked down at the tombstone the man had been standing next to. Robert Ames, born September 9th, 1897, died May 25th, 1927. Mike read slowly before looking up at me. Even in the dark, I could see that the color had drained from his face, and he quickly rejoined me on the road. Neither of us spoke of the incident for months. Both of us avoided the cemetery like the plague. That is, until Community Day. The week before homecoming, the football team adopted the cemetery 
for community day, and we were expected to go as a team to clean up headstones and pick up trash. There was no real way to get out of it, so Mike and I begrudgingly went. The day went surprisingly smoothly, and I had nearly forgotten about the ghost lights and apparitions until I moved near where Mr. Ames was buried. I didn't see anything or anyone, but I swear I heard a voice whisper, Remember us. It's been almost a decade since we saw the ghost lights, but everywhere I go I make sure to tell the story of the Macmillan Textile Factory. A tragedy like that should never be forgotten, and neither should the innocent people that lost their lives. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Our third tale of terror this evening is presented by an author who goes by the name of Hazmat Guy. I give to you, don't ever look back. You know that feeling you get when you walk down a dark hallway? The feeling you get when the lights are out in the room behind you? The feeling that someone or something is right there behind you, inching its way closer to you? Well, whatever you do, don't ever look back. My name's Michael, and I just turned 20. I worked as a security guard for a small office in a rough neighborhood. They sell paper or something along those lines. I didn't really pay attention to the other people there. I usually sat near the door during the afternoon, checking everyone that comes in and out. It was a pretty laid-back job, and it helped me pay for my night school. I usually only worked during the day, and I never had been at the office past six. But one day my boss asked me if I could take the light shift, as the night guard had quit due to unforeseen circumstances, whatever that means. Anyway, I said I'd do it, but just for that night. 
All I really had to do was lock up and sit down in the main office and relax, right? Well, not really. I was given a paper with a list of a few instructions, four in total. One, lock doors in main room once everyone has gone home no later than 12 a.m. Two, go through west hallway and lock all doors except for door number six, which must be unlocked. Then turn around and do not move for ten seconds, no matter what. After ten seconds, turn and face the hallway then start walking, taking one step every second. Don't look back. Don't ever look back. Number three. Go to main office and hide under desk, facing the front, and wait for door number six to close and lock. Number four. Leave at 6.30 a.m. Do not lock the front door, but lock the gate. It started normal enough. I didn't know if they decided to play some kind of joke on me, since it was my first time. But if it had been meant as a prank, they did a good job. I was scared out of my mind. The instructions were so specific and just altogether creepy. What would happen if I took a second more or a second less? What if I missed the deadline at 6.30? What would happen to me? I tried to get the thought out of my head, and I focused on the instructions. I wanted to study them before the night shift so that I wouldn't make a mistake. Before I knew it, it was 11 p.m., and most people started to leave. Janitors and workers that stayed late, they all started to file out, each wishing me luck. I waited a while until every single person was gone. Why would they wish me luck? I had to focus. It was only for a night. It was probably nothing, but I just wanted to make sure. At a quarter to midnight, I decided to lock up the main room and head through the hallway. Lock all doors. Unlock door six. Got it. Turn around and wait ten seconds. Okay. I started counting in my head. One, two... Then I felt the temperature change. Three. Four. Got a little colder, and that's when I heard the door. Five. It started to open. Six. Then I felt it, like someone breathing down my neck. Seven. Eight. I was about to run, but then I remembered the instructions. I have to stay still. Nine. Ten. I turned and started down the hallway. Take a step every second. My heart was beating out of my chest. My whole body was cold. I couldn't feel my hands. I kept going, even though I was about to pass out from fear. I navigated through the seemingly endless hallway, leaving behind whatever the thing behind me was. But I felt it watch me as I walked. There was nothing between me and it. If it had wanted to, it could have killed me right then and there. I was sure of it. I didn't know what it was, but I didn't feel safe near it. At the halfway point, I felt it standing there. As I passed by a fire extinguisher, I caught a glimpse of the beast's reflection in the glass. I couldn't really make it out, but 
Whatever it was, it was slowly approaching. It knew I'd seen it. I quickened my pace ever so slightly. My whole body went numb, so much so that uh, I couldn't even feel the ground under me anymore. Cold and sweating, I continued down the hallway. Almost there, I thought. I just need to get into the office and hide under the desk. I prayed to God that I'd make it. Prayed to anyone who would listen at that point. By that time, I wasn't scared anymore. It was much more than that. I moved robotically, just trying to make it to the end of the nightmare. I finally got to the door and realized it was right behind me. I turned the corner and opened the door, closed it behind me, and hid under the desk as instructed. I faced the wall and waited. I remained there for a while, and during that time nothing happened. Still, I knew it was there. I was petrified, horrified, so scared that I felt like my very soul might give up and leave. A few more seconds passed, and all of a sudden the door to the office opened. Is it coming in? I didn't read about this in the instructions. What do I do? The instructions... That's when I realized I didn't have them anymore. Where had they gone? Did I drop them? What now? It came in then, the room's temperature dropping as it made its presence known. What is this thing? A demon? A monster? Whatever it was, it was not following the rules. It was looking for me. At that point, I was in tears. I tried to hold it in at first, but fear... Oh, my fear took over, and I didn't have to anymore. I couldn't move. My eyes blurred, and I felt myself begin to black out. And that's when I heard it leave and close the door. I wanted to let out a huge breath of relief, but decided against it. I kept listening for the other door. After a second, it too closed, then locked. I let everything out then, tears streaming down my face, breathing harder than I ever have. I checked my watch. It was 6.23. Just seven minutes until 6.30. And then I could leave. I chose to remain huddled under the desk until then. 6.30 rolled around and I was ready to bolt. I opened the office door and rushed to the main entrance, practically sprinting to the gate. I got out and locked it behind me. I rushed to my car and started it. As I pulled out, I felt much safer, and so I disregarded the second instruction I'd been given and took one last look back at the building and froze, paralyzed with fear. The creature was standing in the doorway looking right at me. I hit the gas and sped home. The next day I handed in my letter of resignation. It's been a few weeks since then, and i found another job, but I still can't get that thing out of my head. Sometimes I feel like it's still behind me as I walk through my home. I never should have looked back, and I'll never make that mistake again. Thanks for joining me tonight for Scary Stories Told in the Dark. 
If you like what you heard and would like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's episode, which includes two more terrifying tales, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself on Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, where you can sign up for a season pass and get access to all 24 ad-free extended episodes from this season, or sign up as a patron for just $5 per month and get access to not just my show, but our network's audio archive of hundreds of previous releases, including premium versions of our other shows. Not only that, but you'll be lending your support to this very program and help me continue bringing nightmares to life each and every week. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep, if you can. (laughs) Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted, and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, The Otis Jiry Channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at Otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.